What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains live from the Academy Studios in downtown Wilmington. I am your host, James Jackson, joined with my guy, Stat Matt Robinson, and all the way from Pittsburgh, PA, our guy, Kyle Searig. Our man's Jordan Spector is on standby. We'll talk to him a little bit later and about this Kobe Bryant giveaway. But first things first, we got to go talk about these NBA playoffs again because it was a crazy round one that still isn't over yet. We got one more game seven as we record Today on Wednesday, uh, the Thunder and the Rockets are waiting to play after this, but pretty every other series was wrapped up. And, you know, there were, there were some top performers in round one, one of those being Jamal Murray, averaging 31 points, 5.6 rebounds, and 6.3 assists on 55% shooting from the field and 53 from three-point line. That's a 68.2 true shooting percentage. So I ask you guys, was Jamal Murray the best performer in round one? Jamal Murray was the best performer in round one. He came out the gate hot. It's close. It's close. But, I mean, you take basically single-handedly. Jokic had a great game last night. But you take a team back from 3-1 anytime Mm -hmm. you're on the list. You add in two 50-point games, one 42-point game. In a stretch of three games, uh, the back end of that 50 and 42, he had one turnover between three games. So, to me, he's got to be 68% true shooting is insane. I know we shot bad from three yesterday, but that was that number was up from like 53 where it ended to like 60% from three, like the whole series. So mm-hmm. the way he just became a dog in this series, I got to say he was probably my top performer around one. And I mean, I, I kind of want to like go off that. I kind of want to agree with you. Like when you watch that three, one comeback, you're, you're right. Like Jokic may have had, you know, a good stretch of game seven, but that was off the strength of Jamal Murray. And it was evident that was off the strength of Jamal Murray. That's what superstars do. Right. Like that that's what takes you in, into a notch above everybody else when you can will your team to a playoff series like that, especially when you gotta win three straight games. I, I have to disagree just because Murray was too inconsistent for my luck. He needed three games under twenty points, including the game seven. I like steady, consistent and I'm you'll see where I'm getting to Kawhi Leonard. Every day game in, game out, give me twenty nine to thirty to thirty three. Every time, no matter whether it's game one or game six, you can count on it. Take it to the bank. I, I guess, and like it was, it was quiet from from Kawhi too. Like he, it's not like he did anything extraneous to to land himself in and good or bad hot, you know, good water or bad hot water on the other side of it. But um, if, if I'm looking at it, if it's between Kawhi or Jamal Murray, I mean, I guess both of them are you know make a case. But you really, you yeah. really want to stick to Jamal Murray. You're I'm going to stick to Jamal Murray, but I will give you one thing about Kawhi. He had 30 points every single game besides mm-hmm. one, and that one game was a 29-point triple-double. So Kawhi, Kawhi gets a case in there for sure. He's top three to me. I, I, I just want to go back to the Jazz Nuggets game seven. Torrey Craig made the worst <laughs> NBA player in NBA I've ever seen. Sold at the rim to, to yeah. end the game. It would have been an all-time sports gaffe yeah. if, if Mike Conley made that three at the end, but he got bailed out. And and here's the thing: it, it that's going to get lost in the sauce, like George Hill missing the free throw at the mm-hmm. end of the uh, at the end of the the 2015 finals or tw- 2018 finals. Um, that's gonna it's gonna be the same thing, like because something crazier after it happened, mm-hmm. you forget the simple basketball play that was botched. I mean, Jamal Murray didn't forget it in his post game. That was hilarious. He let everyone on national TV know, like, <laughs> dog, you missed a wide open layup, a game ceiling layup too, like not just anything. But it kind of speaks to another narrative that goes into maybe why Jamal Murray was, uh, you know, the top performer of round one is the play that he got around him. 
Like you want to talk about inconsistent play. It's not like we got he got consistently great play from Jokic on the other end too. It's supposed to be his running mate uh, in there. So when he turned it on, he turned it on for himself. And it just like that that's what elevates a player. And that to me, that's why it elevated Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic. When you see a willing of an entire team off the strength of one player, that's superstar status right there. And that's that's something that I you know that they was evident from Jamal Murray from round one. And there is there is even more than just Jokic. Obviously, Jokic has to be consistent, but I mean, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't consistent. Millsap wasn't consistent. The only one I really liked the series they played was probably Monte Morris, but he only plays about 20 minutes a game. So right. they need the change to before they get to the Clippers series. So Kawhi. Kawhi is the best performer around one, hands down. Yes. You know I'm a Kawhi hater. Like, you know what? Like, you know it's, it's just nothing. <laughs> you think I'd be based on what he's done to me. I guess, that's true. You have way more reason to be a Kawhi hater than me. But, I mean, I guess you can't you can't argue with, with consistency. And it's so, like, I guess there's a reason why everyone called him, like, Kawhi for a, a little bit mm-hmm. in, in his early career. Because you said it, Kyle. 30 points every game in that series, all all six games except one, and that was a 29-point triple-double. And that was with, we know about the, the inconsistencies of Paul George, but that was with Paul George not playing well, Patrick Beverly in and out of the lineup, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams not really coming off the bench and providing that much of a spark for the Clippers. I guess another person who, who had the Clippers on his back was, was Kawhi Leonard a little bit in that series. Absolutely. Paul George really sunk up the joint in games two, three, four, and even game six he was shaky. Right. And Kawhi... Never let it phase him like he never does. And every single time it looked like the Mavericks are going on a run, mm-hmm. Kawhi would just make an 18-footer to just quiet them down. Anytime, especially in that game six, when the Mavericks were about to cut it to like six and five, Kawhi would always get the shot that gets cut them at enough distance to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Steady. I mean, if you could keep your team steady, that's like just an anchor of a basketball team. And that's kind of what I see – like the biggest thing that Kawhi gives the Clippers, obviously, besides what he can do on the floor, is just that like even keeled and level head that that shows your team that like this this is never out of control. This is never out of our midst or out of our hands. It's like the biggest thing he brought to Toronto, and it's one of the biggest things he's bringing to the Clippers around a bunch of guys who haven't like gone to a finals, haven't made a late playoff run, and he's done it multiple times now to say like you know we you can't react to all crazy when something happens in round one. Because, they, like, Kawhi's got his sights on rounds two, three, four, and then the finals. So, like, when, when crazy stuff is going on around him and you look at your leader and your leader's unfazed, like, your, your leader's not changed, that kind of gives you a little bit piece of heart and for, and for them to move on. And I think it's what we talked about. That's what Paul George needed to get back on track. And so you give Kawhi a lot of credit for it. But with that being said, I think you're both wrong. I think that the top <laughs> performer, even though he didn't win, was Luka Doncic. Like, in, in round one, the best player on the basketball floor or the best player in the NBA in round one to me was Luka Dantas, just seeing everything that he was doing on the floor, being that he's 22 years old, being that it's his first playoffs and being that most of that series he had to do without Kristaps Porzingis, is still putting on 31 points, 9.8 rebounds, 8.7 assists, uh, 8.7 assists, 50% from the field and 36% from three. Like that, that's a first ever playoff run like that. And that's a 22 year old doing that. Like you the, forgot the best bomb ankle and a, and a soft ankle and a guy trying to take him out on a soft <laughs> yeah. ankle. Like this, all, all, all of these things considered we're watching Kawhi or watching Luka Doncic, sorry, you know, do this against one of the, if not the best defensive team in the NBA guarded by two of the best wing defenders in the NBA and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. 
and still putting up numbers like that. Not to mention the crazy buzzer beater at the, to tie up the series at the end of Game Four. Like it, it's Luca to me. Like Luca, Luca is the truth. That's that's the future of the NBA. I, I saw it with my own two yeah. eyes. It was undisputable right there. I, I just agree. Kind of, we saw the future of the NBA, but I. He was I, the be- Matt. He was the, he was the I best on the floor. To, I, he was the to, best I tried to think of the counterpoint, the and I really couldn't. You couldn't. He was the best <laughs> on the floor. He did everything. He did every single thing. There's only oh, the one other player did everything better, like statistically better than him, and that was LeBron. And LeBron didn't put up 31 a night. LeBron put up what, 27, 26, 27 a night. He didn't put up 31. He wasn't pouring in damn near 10 rebounds, and then also you know damn near nine, 10 assists, you know, from the field, shouldering the load again. For a, a Dallas team who look who actually scared the the Clippers, like you know you the the Magic won Game One. I don't think they actually scared the Bucks. The Blazers won Game One, but I don't think the, even the Lakers were actually scared. Like the Clippers were the Clippers were shook when the Mavericks tied that series up. You could see it, like you could see a digging in the heels of the Clippers. And like if we, if we don't come out and play, they're gonna they're gonna fuck around and win this series. And that's and that's all credit to Luca right there. They man. needed a Paul George or Fifty. They they really. <laughs> Yeah. They really did. Like they, they, they really needed like a coconut to eat that man. I give it to Luca if you push it to seven. It's because it's six, it six. and games six yeah. and five and six were pretty convincing Clipper wins. And, and without Dwight Powell too. And I guess if you're not like a either a Mavericks fan or a real hard studier of basketball, you don't that name just escapes you. But that's another great role player mm-hmm. that the Mavericks didn't have, and that's more height and, and someone that that Luca relied upon. Yeah, you're you're convincing me on Luca. I ruled him out because I wasn't going to put a loser in there because they lost the it's series. Tough. But I don't like to give consolation prizes either, and that and that's yeah, tough. But, but we're talking about ind- individual performance. I get like you know how far your team goes as the best player goes. One that. player we haven't mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, another loser. I would have picked him if he didn't get stripped at the end of Game Seven. That was tough. That's that, that was that. It's tough to put one play against, like, you know, multiple 50-point games I mean, and, and being the best player maybe in the series. But We're not going to go, like, ESPN, he doesn't have the clutch gene. Yeah, I'm not going like, to go that far. There were so many great performances that the margins were so thin. That's that's very true. Yeah, he just had nine turnovers in a game they lost by two. Mm-hmm. And that was to go to the next round. And he and, it, and they wouldn't have had – if it wasn't for a Torrey Craig box layup, it, that would have that would have lost in the game. Mm-hmm. That would have been a direct play that loses in the game. But something else that's going to get you know washed under the fold because, you know, of how the game ended. But Same with them. Same with yeah. them calling that timeout. They Them not having tough. a timeout in that situation because they couldn't dribble the ball or get a pass off the possession mm-hmm. before was horrible. That and, might have cost them the game too. And, and here's to, – to go back to the Donovan Mitchell discussion – I do admit that I was wrong a little bit. Like I said that, you know, I don't I don't think a team could could to contend for a title with Donovan Mitchell as its best player. And he proved me wrong throughout that series. I mean, I'd be a fool to look at what he did in that series, multiple 50-point games, one of the highest scoring series in NBA history, and, and not think that. But when I look at this Jazz team, and I know they're missing Bullion, but I the Jazz are a, a legit number two scorer away from actually putting themselves in that in that conversation of title contention. And when I say a legit number two score, I mean it's someone who goes and gives you, you know, 25 to 28 a night. You're talking about like, like a CJ. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about yeah. like, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm talking about an Anthony Davis, a CJ McCollum, like a legit number two running mate, you know, that that will go and and help Donovan Mitchell. I agree, Rudy, Butler. Like a Jimmy Butler. Like Rudy Gobert is not it. Bullion's not not quite it. I mean, that's a, a, a 20 to 24 a game. 
but I need a consistent 25 and to 20. inconsistent though. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're talking about title contention here, like we're talking about going up against the best of the best, I need you know, your number two to, to have that, to be in that stratosphere, at least, at least to be an all-star, but our honorable mentions for best performer round one, we talked about Donovan Mitchell, 36, five and five on 53% from the field, 51% uh, from three had two 50 point games and one 44 point game. James Harden, um, you know, another top performer. He has his game seven tonight. So through six games, 31, uh, six and seven on 48 from the field and 33% from three. Depends on what he does in game seven. Uh, Giannis was another one that we didn't talk about, which which I'm surprised none of us picked him. 25 points, 15 rebounds and six assists on 58 from the field, 38 per- and 38% from three. For Giannis, yep. 38% for three is great. Like that's not Flat talked on. about enough. That is great. For Giannis, one he and did, five. He did bank like three in though, so yeah. I mean, I don't know what to make of that. Three points is three points, man. Don't matter. <laughs> don't matter how it go in a double double every game and a, a twelve plus minus average in this series, so a plus twelve uh, from the field. You know, when the Bucks were plus twelve when he was on the court, and then obviously our main man's LeBron James, average a triple double, twenty seven points, ten rebounds, ten assists on sixty percent from the field and forty six percent from three. 46% from three from LeBron is great. Like, that's another great three-point percentage for him. So, good yeah. for him in round one. Two triple doubles in that in that first-round series, and they won in five. And, and I Never just, take LeBron for granted. Thank you. Thank you. We were, yeah. we were worried. You over there, Kyle. You over there were trying yeah. to convince me that the I, Lakers should have been worried. I was yeah. wrong about that. But I actually uh, want to give LeBron love here because I was between him and Jamal Murray. So, the things that suck out for me was, one, he averaged a triple-double. Mm-hmm. And I know he deferred a lot to his teammates in the first game, and maybe that assist isn't there if he doesn't have like 19 in game one. But the 46% from three, and he was just Come pulling on, him. He, yeah, it he wasn't within it. the offense. He's like, all right, I'm dribbling down. I'm taking a three of this position. Mm-hmm. And he was making them. And just the way they bounced back from that first game, is it didn't worry him. Yeah. They won like two games by 30. And And people want to make a note every time LeBron defers to – you know, a teammate in a series. One, let's remember that he's playing with Anthony Davis, maybe a top five player in the NBA. It's okay to defer to that man. It's okay yeah. for the offense to run through Anthony Davis in the first couple of rounds because guess what? LeBron can tap in and have the offense run through him anytime he wants. Through any round against any opponent, he can flip that switch and the Lakers then can flip that switch. But for the offense to run through Anthony Davis from the start just establishes that rhythm that Anthony Davis is going to need through the playoffs. And you saw it when he when it wasn't there in game one, the Lakers lost. LeBron knows that. Everybody else knows that. It's more pivotal that Anthony Davis gets on track to start a series than it is for LeBron to get on track to start a series. Like, Remember, it, LeBron always says game one is a feel out game. He Every doesn't time. take it that seriously. Game one and round one, probably mm-hmm. for him. Like, he, like I don't think LeBron is ever even conceptualizing losing a round one <laughs> series. Like that's that's not that's not in his. That's not in his in his vision. Mm-hmm. So he knows that like it might get a little rocky, but we're gonna win round one. Like we're taking home round one, and then we know what to do going forward for a tougher opponent when the, when the waters get tougher. So that you know, shout out to LeBron to round one. But but round two is is actually already started. We see the Celtics take a two zero series lead against the Raptors, uh, and then we see the Heat take a one zero series lead against the Bucks. So good good round two matchups already already underway. But let's focus on that Bucks Heat the Bucks Heat matchup. And round two, what we're already starting to see. I just got to say, if it's the Celtics, he Eastern Conference Finals, 
I might have to call him sick. Yeah. I might have to call him sick. I don't know. No, no, I'm putting the microphone right in both of y'all faces. I'm putting the microphone in front of both of y'all faces. This is what I want to say for the start of that uh, of, the, of that Bucks Heat series. Stop playing with Jimmy Butler. Stop playing with Jimmy Butler like this He's man here. is not lethal. Stop yeah. playing with him. Like people were really playing with this man's name. Like this man is not a killer. Like he is not lethal. Jimmy Butler is a star and you saw it. And also stop saying the mid-range game is dead. Because Jimmy Butler dropped a fifty point dropped a fifty point game in game one with two three point attempts. Forty, not fifty. I was forty three a forty point game with two three point attempts. Like that's nope. it. So it's that, playoff I mean, basketball. You got to right. hit the mid range in playoffs. You're not going to get the easy threes like you do in the regular season. You're not going to yeah. get to the hole. That mid range game got to make free throws. That was yes. a rough mm-hmm. game. Horrible. The MVP, he was awful. And an MVP can't have 12 field goal attempts in a, in a game. That just can't happen. And defensive player of the year, you're not switching yeah. on the Jimmy. Come on, with a, with a team who Jay Crowder is the only one that can even defend him. Shaky baby, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because how do you get named MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, and then the next game prove both of those awards wrong? In the next playoff <laughs> game, you really prove both those awards. Coach wrong. Bud needs to make postseason adjustments. It's his, it's his curse. Yeah. Last year, he only played Giannis like 30 minutes a game against the Raptors. This is the playoffs. You have to change your system. You can't mm-hmm. go minute restrictions. You can't go, oh, he has to guard him because it's because of that. No, you have to go one-on-one in a lot of scenarios, and you have to play non-by-the-analytics basketball. You have mm-hmm. to play matchups. And a, and little, a little bit of this is on his, or your superstar, right? Yeah. Like, like if Coach Bud, we all know what happened when, um, you know, when, when it was time to, time to come down the stretch – and Giannis isn't guarding, you know, the best player isn't guarding Jimmy Butler, isn't guarding the best player on, on offense, and he's asked about it. And, you know, someone asks him, you know, if, if you're not guarding the best player, would you want, you know, would you tell your coach, would you request them to guard? And he, has, and he said, why would I do that? I do whatever my coach tells me. No. If you're defensive player of the year and it's, you know, we're going down in crunch time and I'm not guarding the best player, first of all, I'm, I'm probably not even asking my coach for permission. I'm getting on the floor and telling whoever's guarding them, switch with me. Cause that, he needs that's to have a chat with LeBron. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, that's that, not a chat with Kawhi, a chat with LeBron. Like, that's that's my guy. And as the defensive player of the year, don't you want that? Like, you, you're that award just validated the fact that you're the best, the best defender on the planet. So I should have that in my DNA to want the best matchup. That was weird to me. That he didn't that he didn't request that they actually shied away from it like uh, he like he was cool with not having that assignment like word I don't have to have that pressure on me. All this being said, I'm not worried about the Bucks. Oh God, I'm man. not worried about the Bucks. I am. They only got one loss. I They got one loss left. But we're down to one loss for stat <laughs> for, <laughs> for stat bats prediction of them only losing three games all postseason. We're down to one loss in three rounds to go. That's so, tough, man. Last year in the second round, they got blown out by the Celtics game one. They turned around, washed the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And this is a sign of if they actually do make adjustments, which I they have to at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't see Giannis taking only 12 shots. I don't see him going four for 12 from the free throw line. I don't see the team going 14 of 28 from the free throw line. And I That's don't nice. see... Dragic and Jimmy Butler both shooting 60% from the field every game. That's facts. And it was still That's a game nice. in the fourth quarter. If the Bucks play how they should play, they should win the next four games. I mean, that's, that's hard to dispute that. It's not going to happen. 
it's not, not going to happen. I'm not worried about them as much as I'm worried about the Raptors right now. But I think this series is 50-50 given the Heat, giving them one game. I mean, you got 19 out of Brook Lopez in the first half. That's not going to happen. Lopez is my guy. And you lost. <laughs> I love Brook Lopez. And yeah. you lost. You can't Middleton waste needs my... to play better. I mean, and you, you said Jodging my... and Jimmy won't shoot 60%. They won't. Sure. But Dragic and Jimmy have been hooping all playoffs, and there's other guys that can step up too. So it might not be far behind that 60%. I was about to say, it may not be 60, but I can bank on like a, a, a 47 to 49% for, from the field for Jimmy Butler. I can pretty much bank on that. Yeah. And, and Tyler Hero hasn't even really like come alive yet as a three-point shooter. Duncan Robinson is doing crazy things. But you talk about that, that Raptors-Celtics series. You want to talk about shaky? The defending champs down 2-0? They're in trouble. To Jason Tatum and them? To Jalen yeah. Brown and them? Yeah, I'm crying to, about the rest. Oh, to Marcus Smart and them? Marcus Smart and yeah. Duke going crazy. Talk yeah. to me if about that, that series. If that happens again, they can't win the series. I, I don't even know if they get one game at this point. They look outmatched every single they game. Siakam's getting his first postseason lesson as a number as one a number option. One. Yeah. And he's not and I, answering to it well. I, I think mean, the Celtics look the best at any team in the East right now. And the Raptors might, might look the worst. I mean, Van Fleet needs to shoot better. 100%. Marcus Smart's not going to hit five threes, but they don't need that. Like Tatum didn't even have a huge he game, but he's going to have game. one. Didn't even yeah. have his game yet. That, that is the yet. You're right. He's going to have one. Didn't even have his game yet. Jalen Brown still didn't even have his game yet. Jalen Brown's got a game in him too. And Kem, Kemba's yeah. back. He, he started slow against the Sixers, but he's back. There's so, so many the, weapons on that Boston team. There's yep. so many weapons on that Boston team. The fact that at any point in time, Kemba Walker can be their third option on offense is ridiculous. And Gordon Hayward's still going to come back at some point if they keep winning. I mean, I, didn't I, I might think about I that. might tell I might tell big man cool out. Like you know, rest, rest, <laughs> rest that ankle, man. Rest. We're it. six and zero. Oh. We're cool. Rest yeah. yeah, like rest it. Like it, like you 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 risk bringing him back and and interrupting the flow of things. Like that that is that's got to be in the back of Brad Stevens' mind, right? Yeah. Like because Gordon Hayward doesn't come back and play twelve minutes. Gordon Hayward comes back and plays twenty five. 25 to 30, damn near. Comes back and might start. So he comes back. Yeah, you give him Sammy Ojale's minutes, and you give him Grant Williams' minutes, and you give him some you Robert Williams' minutes. You not give him more than Sammy Ojale's minutes. What's Sammy Ojale? Probably like 15, 15 to 20? Yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, you got to give him more than 10 minutes if he comes back. That's your that's your max player. That, that I don't is, know. That's a max That could player. work. They haven't lost the game yet. You just throw him in instead of Ojale. You can give him like 15 minutes, but I don't think you need to play Hayward 20, 25 minutes. And I don't think I, they should. At the this Raptors point. have got to shoot better. It's I that simple. Him, they just keep missing threes. I yeah, Van Vliet especially. I tell him rest up. All right, so now we got to talk about uh, th- this next segment. We're calling this the all-exit team because we talked about the top performers of round one, and we didn't even get to all of the top performers, really. But not all of them Not all of them went on to round two. A bunch of them you know, took a first-round exit. So we're going to go right now. The five top five performers of round one will be our all-exit team. Our candidates are Donovan Mitchell. Joel Embiid, Nick Busevich, Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, and it's either between Chris Paul or James Harden, depending on who loses this game seven tonight. We got five. We have to pick from those five. We got to come up as a collective. We really got to work hard. Harden, CP3, not going to make the list. That's tough. That's Lillard's tough. not going to make the list. Lillard, Dame, Dame can't make the list because he missed the last two games. I think, I think that, I think that by default takes him out of this race. I think Donovan Mitchell. Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. Vucevic. Yeah, put Vuce on there. Vucevic has been fantastic. So under the radar. And I 
guess I'll throw Harden on. I mean, it's if yeah. You that's where I was gonna go. If you, if you don't, then you then you have to put Loder on there. If you yeah, don't, then you I have gotta to put, put Harden on. Yeah, I look. I tried to look deeper. The next guy would be like Malcolm Brogdon, and there's not another name up there you can throw in. So for me, I'm I'm cutting Lillard out of it, and I'm taking the loser of Harden CP3 as that I, as I mean, that next I, one. And then that's debatable, right? Because I mean, Damian Lillard. I mean, you look at his numbers through that series. You could still put him on there, even though he didn't play the games four and five. Like you could still put him on there. But I think from the standpoint of him not playing in the in the two in the in the exit game and the game that led to it is what takes him off the list. Um, and I would. And the only good thing about Chris Paul losing Game Seven tonight, or the Thunder losing Game Seven tonight, would be that Chris Paul could go on this list. Just even if it's the the numbers themselves don't show it, the fact that he pushes the series or he helps the Thunder push the series to Game Seven. End of that Game Six, he just completely yeah, no, took over. After, after Game Six, it's solidified. He'd be on it because he had a triple double Game One too. They lost, but that's all legs of team. Let us know. Add us, add us on Instagram and Twitter at Straight Facts Pod of who you think the all exit team is. But the Straight Facts all exit team goes as follows: Donovan Mitchell, uh, James Harden, Nick Vucevic, uh, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid are the five. And that, that's Harden or one. CP3. Harden or CP3. Don't throw Harden in yet. No, no, no. You already, I, I've already a thunder. I already got a thunder win. I need. I need to knock on some win because I can't. I gotta I can't say, I can't do that. The last person that should be on that list is, like, rank a million people and Al Horford be a million one. Like, I'm, 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 I did better for the Sixers this playoff series than Al Horford did. You know, the 180 that the Sixers fan base has done on Al Horford. Like, think, think about, just think about August 2019 and how the Sixers fan base felt about Al Horford. And then think about August 2020. Think about like the same exact day from 2019 to 2020, and it's literally the exact opposite. I lied to myself so much. You had. I remember right before free agency start, we were in the old studio, and and I said, "Why would we get Al Horford? We don't want to spend a lot of money for Jimmy Butler because he's going to go. Why would we do it to Al Horford? And you got Al Horford. And then right when they got Al Horford, one eighty. Don't try hot like I got, were you, I got the Marco Murray. I got the Marco Murray. <laughs> Kyle, you're telling me that you you had no high hopes for Al Horford at all from, from Jump Street. I I was hyped. You could go back in my tweets. <laughs> I was like I was like Al Horford's not a Al Horford's always been a power forward. This is the best five we've ever seen by the Sixers, and we saw what happened. We I said you can't happened. judge him by the regular season because they're built for the playoffs and then they get swept. <laughs> I'm still I'm still hot on Josh Richardson though. That was my favorite pickup last I mean, year. Look, still that, that's that's the second that's the second Titanic that's the second Titanic ship that you could go under with Kyle. But all right, y'all, getting back into the second half of our episode now. I don't know if you guys realize this, but we got like eight or nine days until the NFL season starts. Like it, it literally starts in less than two weeks. Not only have we not talked about it, I don't think anyone's talked about it. Like that, like this is really the the whole pandemic and coronavirus is really throwing off my my inner clock because the NFL is the only league that's that is still starting on time. Mm-hmm. But it feels like they're not starting on time. But anyway, we're going to now talk about the things that will shock you this NFL season, but shouldn't. Okay? So by the facts, these things might shock you. But if you really look into it, they really shouldn't. The first thing is the Patriots still win the AFC East with Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham. The or Jarrett Stidham one is crazy. The Cam Newton one's a little bit easier to swallow. But the or Jarrett Stidham one is a little bit crazier. But it shouldn't shock you why, stat match shouldn't shock you. Number one. I don't trust Sam Darnold or Josh Allen or rookie Tua. I don't trust Sam Darnold. I trust Josh Allen. I trust Josh Allen. 
he's not bad, but he's not like great. Mm-hmm. In the last 13 games of the season, the Patriots went nine and four. Nothing special, but right. that can win the division. Brady had an 82 passer rating over those 13 games. Mm. That would have ranked tied for 29th in the NFL in passer rating, and they still went nine and four. That would have been below Mitch Trubisky. Oh no! Tied with Mason Rudolph. Oh no! So they just need replacement level play, which they will get from Cam at least, and even Jared Stidham get him to ten and six and eke them into that four seed. I cannot believe t- my quarterback Tom Brady below Mitch Trubisky in any stat and, and passer rating over a thirteen game stretch. Oh, oh, oh! My skin is crawling. Oh, I, I never wanted to hear about that ever. Literally, never wanted to hear about that. But it's not far-fetched to think that the Patriots still win this division. It's still – I mean, the, the Bills won last year, but it's or, – or the Bills had success last year, but it's still like their division. Like, they still have a clamp on it. And the, and the other half of that dynamic equation is still there. Bill Belichick is still there. And, and captains the defense. Like, we know that Bill Belichick's, uh, you know, primary duties as coach is a defense. So the last time there. the Patriots didn't win the division, George Bush was pregnant, president. He's about to say pregnant. <laughs> that was a weird slip. That was a weird slip. But, I mean, like, they, they, just don't, they just know how to win it. Would that shock you, Kyle, if the Patriots still won the AFC East? Yeah, I think uh, – not if they go second. It would shock me more if they finished third or fourth than if they finished first. But I think they're just going to be second. I, it's Josh Allen. I mean, we're looking at the Bills team that went five and one. We're looking at a Patriots team that's down eight or nine players. I know mm-hmm. Bill Belichick's there, but you lost your quarterback and. Unless Cam Newton comes back like it's 2012, 2013, it's not going to happen. They went 11 and 5 with Matt Castle. Matt Castle, bro. But that is that is a good that is a good point. The Patriots have the most te- the most yeah. players who have already opted out of the season. One of them being the maybe the best defensive player in Dante Hightower. So, like yeah. they they they're definitely Bill Belichick is the master of making bad players look average. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely did that. Uh this next one is going to shock a lot of people, but it is also might be true. There's a lot of truth to it. And that is Derrick Henry has a lackluster year, has a down year. King Henry, the 2019-2020 rushing leader, is going to have a down year. And listen to these stats. Seasons after 300-plus carries. Le'Veon Bell fell to 0.8 yards per carry. Adrian Peterson fell to 1.1 yards per carry. Zeke so, fell. Time out. It's, that's how much they fell, not two. So be like, that would be wild if they were at a point at yards that, That's what I was – that's what I thought I was reading. <laughs> I was about to go crazy after. I was like, what? <laughs> Okay. All right, ready? Going back in. Cut it right here, too. I'm fucking up a lot today. Not my best day. All right, we're good. All right. And some prominent running backs have done it. Like, have gone, have had 300-plus carries one year, and then the season after fell. Le'Veon Bell, the season after, fell 0.8 yards per carry in that stat. From the season before, AP fell 1.1 yards per carry. Zeke fell 0.6 yards per carry. DeMarco Murray, when he had 300 carries the next year, fell 1.1 yards per carry. LaShawn McCoy fell about a yard per carry. So it's happened before. We've seen a, a, a rapid decline when you have that much load to put on your to put on your running back one year, and then you come back. And that's just even count the postseason carries. Mm-hmm. And we and he had his most success when Ryan Tannehill came in as quarterback. Mm-hmm. So l- let's see. Now defenses have a whole offseason to adjust to Ryan Tannehill. Being the starter down there in Tennessee, um, so you know teams might adjust like, to Derrick Henry. I don't think he'll like completely fall off, but I see like four point three yards per carry, like twelve hundred yards, just like D 
decent year. Mm-hmm. And that might be enough to get the Titans in the playoffs, especially with the new spot. But I would be worried about drafting Derrick Henry really high in fantasy. Yeah. A fantasy tidbit from from Stat Matt. Yeah, I would I don't think I'd be surprised, but I'm not expecting it. I think one we go we went on to like those next seasons, but this wasn't the coronavirus season. And you're talking about the biggest running back we've seen <laughs> in biggest. years that's just gonna run people over that might be out of shape, that had a slow and shortened training camp. And I think Derrick Henry's still gonna get it done this year. Not like last year though, because you can't give him twenty five carries a game. You can't do that back-to-back years. He's going to get hurt. And and what other running backs have that Derrick Henry doesn't as much have in his bag is the ability to, to really stretch the defense out of the backfield catching the ball. And as a running back, that can just create some lanes for you, get you out in space, get you flowing, and now the defense is stretched out a little bit, opening up running lanes in the middle for you. Derrick Henry doesn't have that. He's a between-the-tackles runner only. And it worked. They had, the Titans had success with it. Um, but, I mean, I don't want to call him a, a one-trick pony. He's not that. But, you know, that, that, that single dimension, you know, aspect that he has to his running game might limit him a little bit. That's all that is. And, then the, and then the last one, were you about to say something? I'm not going to say this. It's a little too spicy for me as a take. But maybe it was just a hot streak. Maybe it was just a hot streak. In the first nine games of last year, 3.9 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Last six games, 6.5. And then – the two great postseason games before a man AFC title game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go that far, but if I was on first take trying to jump for ratings, I think I'd go that far. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's, I mean, there's some validity there, right? I mean, like, like if, if you look at it, he had more games with less than four yards per carry than he did with games with more of six point five or more than six mm-hmm. yards per carry. So, and that that came at the very end of the season. So he might just uh, part of getting hot at the right time. A, a quarterback change happened in the middle of that and, and allowed him to do that. But then we move to this last one, which is personally my favorite, because I know it, it crawls under the skin of all Eagles fans out there. But the Cowboys still find success with Mike McCarthy as head coach, more importantly, without Jason Garrett as head coach. Kyle, what you think about that one over there? That the Cowboys can go and win the NFC East with Mike McCarthy at the helm? I think they can. And if they do, you're right, I won't be surprised. Anytime you go from like the most stagnant stretch of 20 years ever, like nine and seven years, you'll go 13 and three, knocked out first round of the playoffs. And you bring in a Super Bowl winning coach mm-hmm. and you take Jason Garrett out, who, by the way, was not a good coach. He should have been fired four years ago. Then, yeah, <laughs> your, your team's going to get better. We know they have the weapons around them. I'm scared of C.D. Lamb they as an Eagles the fan. So. They have the team to do it. Do it. They've had the team to do it for a long time. So, so, like, I don't understand why they can't They finished They finished VOA last year. VOA last year. Quick reminder. Quick reminder. Evaluate how good a team is on a play-by-play basis. How much better than average. And they finished second in offensive DVOA. So they underperformed. So they underperformed. It's based on how good they were on a play-by-play basis. Jerick and thank Jason Garrett Jason Garrett for that. And... Also, and Pythagorean also wins, Pythagorean wins, which basically, wins, which basically your point differential. Your point kind differential. Of, kind of, if you have a plus one hundred point, point differential, you win blah blah amount of games. They said they should have won ten point seven games, and that's usually one of the biggest indicators. And you, and you, better than being better than everyone if you underperform. So, so I don't like that. I don't like that. There's a shot. They could be. 11 and 5, 11 and, and 5, 12 and 4, and, 12 and 4, we have an unhappy, having an unhappy season. I mean, they, they definitely have the piece around them. We just opened up the stat map index again. So we got to go back in for everyone who's not aware. DVOA. Explain what DVOA is again. It is 
it how is, good the team is how on a play-by-play basis. So it's out of percentage. So if you have a 15% DVOA, you are 15% better than average on a play-by-play basis. On a play-by-play basis. And then a new one you dropped on us. Pythagorean wins. You've never pulled that. You just pulled that out of nowhere. That's just on point differential. The better you are, the better you are. It just looks bad. Wrap your mind around and embrace it. This is a fact of life. That's a rule. Stats that you will only find here and putting them into context. But um, I think that is, that's what we got for the main segment. So it's time to figure out what happened this past week in sports. Right, Kyle? Give it to us. What happened this past week? Let's do it. So nothing happened really this past week in sports, but I got something small for you. So an out-of-the-blue move this past week, the Jacksonville Jaguars waived Leonard Fournette, who I might have drafted on my fantasy team last week, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> really, <laughs> chill, 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 chill. So there really hasn't been much said about why this happened. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But this also wasn't even the only big move the Jags made this week. They also traded Yannick Ngakwe to the Vikings for a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick in a deal that Ngakwe agreed for a $6 million pay cut just to join the Vikings. So two, like, maybe puzzling moves here for the Jags. What's there to make of it? Maybe their owner was maybe their owner owner Trevor Lawrence. Tank for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, turmoil in the locker room, right? That's, I mean, that's, There's something the going just on. Cleared the Jags just cleared house all of a sudden. Oh, I'm not, I'm not so I'm not, I'm not sure what happened. You let Leonard Fournette go. One of the, was, still one of the, I mean, upper echelon, the, the upper echelon running backs in the league. And then one of the best defensive linemen in the league right now. You traded Young defensive linemen. A second and a fourth? Like, you, you, you. Like, yeah, that was you, weird. You, you kind of trade him, you, you the, kind of trade him for nothing. The weirdest part to me is him taking a six million dollar pay cut. That doesn't that happen. Just shows me he did, that just shows me he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to yeah. be there as much the as the Jaguars. The letter for that be assigned everyone should be assigned everyone. Draft running back. Draft running back. It doesn't work. That doesn't they, work. They had Blake Bortles. They had Blake Bortles as a quarterback. And they picked Leonard Fournette. And on the board. That's just inexcusable. That's just inexcusable. He said that's inexcusable. <laughs> yeah, that's not is good. That the only thing that is that the only thing that happened this past week, Kyle? One more thing happened this past week. Neymar has tested positive for the coronavirus. They shouldn't be allowed to go on vacation after the season. Lock them in the country. Lock them in the country that they play. There is a pandemic. Like there is a like there is a virus outside. I don't like. I don't, why was there no protocol? Why was there no protocols for for what the the soccer players did after their season? And they literally just they could go anywhere. What kind of baffled? Like, I'm kind of baffled. I didn't even I didn't even think like about that until I heard the name on this. Like was there just no like was there just no protocol for for European soccer? I don't know. I don't know. That's all we have for this past week in sports, but we can move on to the countdown. So what do we got, guys? Number five. Number five. Number three is Marcus Smart made in the fourth quarter of the Celtics game two win over the Raptors. We talked about it a little before. It's not something you're going to bank on. I think Marcus Smart goes over looked as a three-point shooter sometimes. Can be relied upon to make threes, and he did it in game two. Uh, shout out to me. To uh, shout out to Eric Conner. Comparison between Marcus Smart and an NFL cornerback is one of the best comparisons I've ever heard. He really plays like an NFL cornerback, right? Just on a basketball court. That's hilarious. All right, number, number four. of players to a number of players to a game fifty point game games in the same series. I remember. You might remember because number three, last week was number three, three number four was number four because it's a new name. Iverson, 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 Iverson
Two people in the same series. Isn't that wild? Stupid. Like, did they both? They both broke Iris's record. Like, Iris stood at the top of that hill, and they both in the same series broke it. Just an unbelievable series, by that. Stupid. Number three. The amount of teams to blow a three-man lead in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The 03 Orlando Magic, the 06 LA Lakers, and the 2020 Utah Jazz. I mean, up 3-1, Kyle, you, you were singing Donovan Mitchell's praises and the Jazz praises, and it looked like they were going to lock it up, and then we saw Barrage from Jamal Murray and the Nuggets that I don't think we've ever seen in the, in the NBA playoffs before. I'll give Murray his credit, though. I didn't say he was going to win it, the but Nuggets, I gave him his credit. The Nuggets came back, came back way more than the Jazz choked it. Yes. Yes, I I, 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 I agree. Time, Most of the time, a three-one. I think lead, Mitchell choked last Mitchell night. Mitchell did choke. Mitchell overall, did choke. But overall, I was more. I think it was more Jamal Murray and, and the Nuggets willing wins than it was the the Jazz giving away. I think the Jazz didn't have it under them or didn't didn't have the the, the experience under them to know how to close out that series. Even if the Jazz won Game Five or Game Six to pull together and, and win an elimination game, but you got to give the Jazz or you got to give the Nuggets credit. They came back and won that. All right, number two, the the number of o- number of wins for the Flyers, wins for the Flyers, Islanders, the Islanders. Shout out to Scott. Shout out to Scott Walton for the Flyers last night. Did I see last night? Both of the before the series, they had won an overtime playoff game in the second round, twenty twelve second round against the Devils. Flyers, Flyers, Stan Lewis. Are we back on the bandwagon because a bunch of people like were were hopping off? I'm wearing my Flyers shirt. My other Flyers shirt. I'm still on it, but after blowing a 3-1 lead in the last five minutes of regulation yesterday, I am uh, scared. <laughs> they're they're, 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 they're <laughs> wins. Both of their wins in the 3-1 lead, and they won it every time. Yeah, that's shaky. All right, number, number one. NBA, the number of NBA players who scored 30-plus against every team in the league in one season, and that's James Harden. I mean, we, we could talk about his playoff play and how it may not translate to playoff wins. But his overall scoring, we know he's going to go down as a top five score in NBA history. He's got to. Right? Anyone who ever did 35 points for the game has to be considered. It's, that. He is, it's, he I don't think that's such a great score. Slander he got. The slander he got is undeserved a lot of the time. 30, 30 on every team in the league in one like season. That, like that's insane. It's insane. All right. I got a number zero. He got a number zero. Go ahead. The amount of games. James is going to be happy about that happened between the Rockets and the Thunder tonight when Chris Paul when Chris Paul goes home. Why are you rooting against me? Why are you rooting against me? That was yo, that was awesome. yo, that was that was hurt a little bit. Like like damn, I'm not over here. I'm not going to be happy. Here's, we we didn't talk about the game at all, and I just want to put that out there. I've been on the Rockets all year. That's we're, my team. They're, they're winning. House, we're playing with house money. The Thunder are playing with house money. There is no expectation or, or, or I'll say, uh, no responsibility or no pressure for this game seven. There is not. There is not. You win it, then it's going to go down to the most impressive series in NBA history. If you don't, you weren't supposed to win the series anyway, and you get clocked for even taking it to seven games. So I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping for a win. I'll be upset if we lose, but it's like, how upset can I be? And Chris Paul is, is just put respect on, you know, put respect on his name for every NBA talk he had out there. It made people respect him again. So you could try. You could try. Six and stones may hurt. Six and stones may hurt. My words will never hurt. My words will never hurt. Like, like, okay. 
I love Jordan. I'm a believer. Which kind of, believer. Which kind of surprises me. Like, just knowing the kind of sports fan you are, the fact that you're such a James Harden fan surprises me sometimes. He's a lot like Iverson. He's a lot like Iverson. Like he gets in the sense that like he gets to the free throw line all the time. I guess. But you're a numbers he's guy. Not almost, and he's not almost he's not the most efficient guy. He's very efficient. He's very efficient. Because he gets to the free throw line. That's true. That's true. But now, we're almost out of the time of this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots up at the buzzer. And Matt, can anything so, say at the buzzer? So, 1899, 1899 Cleveland Spiders went 20 and 134. It's an unbreakable record. There's a lot of things that went into why they were. The owner of the Spiders brought St. Louis Brown because they were getting bad attendance, so he shipped off all the good players to the Browns. And the Team, spiders are a feeder team, so they only won 20 games. Last game the, the last game of the season, they had a kid. They had a kid who worked at a cigar store. Catch a complete game. He allowed 18 that runs. Only, that was the only time he played in the major league. The reason, I bring, so the reason yeah. I bring this up I was like, is what's because, point? Like, in this truncated MLB season, it's the one chance where this record could be broken. Fewer than 20 wins right now. There, right now, there are three teams that could do it. The most likely team. The most likely team. Pirates who are twenty and twenty three. They go nine. So they go nine and it's still rough. It's still rough. Nine and twenty eight. Nine and twenty eight. They're after the way. Yeah, they're probably. Yeah, they're probably. Rooting so I'm rooting against the Pirates because I want Spiders record. Cleveland Spiders record to be broken. I don't understand. I don't understand how he's the mental capacity for all this stuff. <laughs> what do you got to say about that, James? Like, who thinks about the 1899? I, I literally almost don't have a comment. Who thinks about the 1899? I'm mad that I can recant it back. Like, like, I, I mean, I got interested by the end of it. Kyle, what you got to say at the, at the buzzer? I had nothing at the buzzer. It's uh, it's my birthday today. Happy birthday! Yeah, so. Happy birthday! Yeah, like we, we didn't even know. We, I, I, as we're about to record, I go on Instagram and see you post an Instagram picture, and I'm like, "Wait, is it your birthday today?" Like he was about to let us go a whole episode and not even say anything. I was gonna throw it in here, but uh, that's about it. Looks like we're celebrating. My man Nathan just came through. Twenty one. He you brought something. You so got bottle, you got the bottles on deck. Got something going on. You got something right there. Oh, oh. Let's, let me see, Nathan. What's going on? Oh, we got the champagne on there. Excuse me. My man came through. Let, let us get off the podcast so Kyle can go pop bottles over there in the in the room. Uh, only thing I got to say is I'm going to revisit the Spectre Sports Art giveaway. Um, I just want to, again, give everyone the lay of the land and the rules. Got to be following both us, Straight Facts Pod, and Spectre Sports Art on either Twitter or Instagram. Got to be following Straight Facts Podcast on either Apple Music or Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And when you go on the, the social media post, there'll be a link. Click that link to enter the giveaway and earn uh, a chance to win this Kobe Bryant, exclusive Kobe Bryant piece from Spectre Sports Art. But that's all the time we got for this episode. Big up to Philly Hall of Fame and the Academy uh, in downtown Wilmington for hosting us. For my guy, Carl Sierra, and my main man, Scott Matt, I am James Jackson. These have been the Straight up. Straight up.